The following broadcast is brought to you by the Congregation of People's Baptist Church of Folkestone, Georgia. You can find this broadcast on our website, www.pbcfolkestone.com. Good morning. My name is Nathan Irie. I'm the pastor of People's Baptist Church in Folkestone, Georgia, and I want to have a little Bible study with you today. I want to deal with the subject of as much as I precisely can, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? seems to be there's quite a bit of confusion about that today, as there has been in ages past. There's always been confusion about what the gospel is, and the reason for that is because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that there is the God of this world, it says specifically, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So somebody's out to try and conceal exactly what the gospel is, and if you study your Bible, you know anything about the scripture, that person is the devil himself. He is interested in keeping people from understanding what the gospel is. And it seems like he has a lot of teammates. It seems like he has a lot of people on his side that are trying to assist him in that. But I'd like to do my best to try and go in the opposite direction and help you understand exactly what the gospel is for 100% surety. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, this is where I'll take my text, my, my taking off spot. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. All right, so that's very clear what we're talking about. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, in this passage, Paul has not yet exactly defined the gospel. He's given you some descriptive uh, things about the gospel, and we'll take a look at those. But let me just start out by saying whatever the gospel is, whatever it is, and we'll define that here in just a second, but whatever the gospel is, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now, that's a monumental statement because whatever the gospel of, of Christ is, that is what the power of God unto salvation is. In other words, uh, your church is not the power of God unto salvation unless it's part of the gospel of Christ. You see how that works? Uh, your priest, your pastor, they're not the power of God unto salvation unless they're a part of the gospel of Christ. Your good works, your baptism, your church membership, those things are not the power of God unto salvation unless... They're a part of the gospel of Christ. So it's very important, it is very important that we understand what the gospel of Jesus Christ really is because whatever it is, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now he said it's the power of God unto salvation. Now, I'm going to hold my place in Romans chapter 1. I don't know where you're at. If you've got a Bible, I invite you to open up your Bible with me to all of these places where we'll be looking at this morning. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, Paul defines very clearly in no uncertain terms what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. So he's getting ready to, to explain very explicitly what the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is. He said, verse 2, By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that, number one, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Number two, this is verse 4, number two, and that he was buried. And number three, that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Well, there is the definition of the gospel. The gospel is very plainly, very explicitly, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures. It's not according to hearsay. It's not according to what your grandma said. It's not according to just what your preacher said. It is according to the scriptures. The place where we find the gospel is not the tradition of our church, whether it be your church or mine. I'm a member of a church like some of you folks are, but we don't find the gospel according to the tradition of our church. We don't, I don't depend on the tradition of my church to tell me what the gospel is. I go to the scriptures. That's the infallible source. So the gospel, according to the scriptures, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel does not include church membership. You can continue reading down through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You won't find church membership in there. Uh, the gospel is not inclusive of your good works. Read through the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You won't find good works anywhere in there. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simply the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. The Bible says in 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, it says in verse 21, it says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self, here we go, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. See, Jesus Christ went to Calvary 2,000 years ago. There he was crucified. He was buried, and he came up again three days later. That is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, clearly defined by the Scripture. Well, back in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He said, I'm not, I'm not sorry that I've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of it, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, my friend, that narrows the road down quite a bit. The way that you're going to come to God is not through your church. Again, it's not through your priest. It's not through your pastor. I am a Baptist, but I've got news for you. Uh, salvation 
salvation is not through your Baptist preacher. I am a pastor of a church, but salvation is not through the church. Salvation is exclusively by trusting what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary, the fact that he died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. It's very narrow. The gospel is very narrow. The Bible said Jesus Christ was talking one day, and he said, straight is the way, narrow is the gate. And it seems to me like folks have a real big problem with that. They would like to believe that we're all on the same road going to the same place. But the Lord said the way that you get on the path to eternal life, it's a very narrow way. It's a very, it's a very straight way. And I don't mean straight in the sense of there's no curves in the road. That, straight, that word straight is in the same, it's spelled the same way as the straits of Gibraltar. It's, it's a narrow place. It's not a place that's very wide. And Jesus Christ himself, he said in John, he said, I am the way the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The apostles testified to this fact in Acts chapter 4 where they said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So the gospel is wrapped up in one person. It's wrapped up in Jesus Christ and it's wrapped up in what Jesus Christ did for sinners at Calvary. He said, for I am not ashamed here in Romans 1, 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So I think we've exhausted the fact that the only way that you can be saved is through what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary. But I'll say this, that's not where that verse ends. It says, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. See, a lot of folks tend to take this attitude, they tend to take this idea that well, I know that Jesus Christ died, and I know that he was buried, and I know that he rose again. Therefore, that means that I'm automatically saved. Yeah, but you only get saved based on a condition. See, and that condition is belief, by the way. Let me just come out and say that very plainly at the, at the, at the front of this thing. That condition is belief. It's not works. It's not what you do. It's, what, it's the fact of whether or not you place your faith, place your trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. See, Christ can die for your sins, and he did. He can be buried for you, and he was. He can rise, he can rise again the third day, and he did according to the scriptures. But if you never believe, if you never quit trusting what you can do as a sinner, and start trusting in what Jesus Christ did for you solely at Calvary, solely by being buried and rising again the third day, if you don't trust that, there's not salvation for you. It's available for you, but you've never taken advantage of that salvation that's been provided for you. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Let me ask you very plainly this morning, have you ever believed? You say, oh, I believed in God. That's not what I'm asking. The Bible says in the book of James that the devils believe and tremble. Well, my soul, that's more than what some of you folks do. You say you believe in God, but you're not afraid of him. It's amazing to me that, that demons, it's amazing to me that devils have more sense than some people do. Jesus Christ showed up one day, and there was a man that was possessed of devils, 
And those, those, that man looked at Jesus Christ and the, de the devils began to speak to the Lord Jesus Christ through that man. And they said, uh, why are you coming to us, Jesus? They said, art thou come to torment us before the time? See, they were afraid of the Lord. Well, man, that's more sense than some Americans have. Some folks walk around, they have, I remember back in the 90s, I believe it was, mid-90s, late 90s, they, all these fellas rolling around town with their big four-wheel drive trucks and big uh, mud-gripping tires, and they had these, this writing on the back of their windshield that said, no fear. Well, man, you're absolutely crazy. You're insane, man. The devils have got more sense than most people do. People make this comment, well, I'm going to go to hell and take over. No, no, not not if the devils are afraid. Do, listen, doesn't it stand to reason? Doesn't it stand to reason? If the devils believe and tremble, why in the world would you think you're going to go to hell and take over? That That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But anyways, here you have, he said, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. You say, well, I believe in God. That's not what we're talking about. You say, well, you know, I, I believe that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. That's not really what we're talking about. That's a great way to begin. That's a great thing that you do need to understand. It is true. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, if you have any exposure to church, you could probably just about quote the verse. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, see, a lot of people believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth and bled and died for the sins of the whole world. But that is as impersonal. I said impersonal for a reason. That's as personal as it gets. People believe, well, yes, I believe that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Yeah, but did he die for your sins? See, it's your sins. It's see that you have to believe that the power of God, that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Do you believe? I see these bumper stickers on the back of cars going around my town where I live, and it says, I believe, I believe. Yeah, but what do you believe? There are people out there that believe all kinds of things. There are people out there that believe Muhammad is, is uh, Allah's prophet. There are people out there that believe uh, in, the, in the teachings of Buddha and Confucius. There are people out there that believe this doctrine and that doctrine. You, could, you can line up the religions. It's not just the fact that you believe in something. There are some folks that believe that people went to the moon, and I say that because there are other folks that don't believe that people went to the moon. So just because you make the statement, I believe, well, that doesn't really mean anything. Well, you know, I just believe, you know, that you just have to have faith and you just have to keep believing in God. Well, you know, the Jews that were walking around when Jesus Christ showed up, they believed in God. They believed in the Old Testament account of of Jehovah. And yet when Jesus Christ showed up, they had a real hard time believing that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. So you say that you believe in God, but there's a great possibility that that doesn't really mean anything. You say that you believe in Jesus Christ, there's a great possibility that that doesn't really mean anything. 
There are lots of people that believe Jesus Christ was a good prophet. There are lots of people that believe that Jesus Christ healed people and he went about doing lots of good works. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. What we're talking about is do you believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the scriptures for your sins? Look at that verse in verse 13 or verse 17, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1 verse 17. This is Romans chapter 1. Let me reread verse 16. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Look at verse 17. For therein, where? For therein, for in the gospel of Christ, the thing that Paul's not ashamed of, the thing that is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, for therein, in the gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now, you want to find where the righteousness of God is revealed? It's not revealed in feeding the poor. Now, that's a, that's a laudable act. That's something that should be done. But that's not where the righteousness of God is revealed. It's amazing to me that Jesus Christ went around healing people and helping people, and those things were Great, and they were wonderful, and there was a reason that the Lord Jesus Christ did those things. But that is not the place where the righteousness of God is revealed. You know where the righteousness of God is revealed according to Romans chapter 1, verse 17? It's in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Man, that's a statement. That is a wild statement. You say, why is that such a wild statement? You know what you have in looking at the death of Jesus Christ, what you can see is the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm sure you've heard that verse before. I, I hope you have. In Romans chapter 5, let me try and paint a little picture here for you. In Romans chapter 5, the Bible says in verse 12, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now he says, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world? If you know your Bible, according to Genesis chapter 3, that one man by which sin entered into this, wor entered into this world, that was Adam. God put Adam and Eve in a garden and gave them instructions that they could eat of any fruit of any tree in that garden except for one, that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, don't eat of that fruit. God goes away, and Adam turns around and eats of that fruit. The Bible says, by that transgression, sin entered into the world. Now, when sin came into the world, you know what came with it? Death. So according to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, the reason that men die is because they're sinners. Now, that's a pretty large statement because when you go down to the graveyard, what you're really looking at is men that are all lying there. You're looking at men and women and even children. You're looking at people that have died. And the Bible makes the monumental statement that the reason that men die is because they are sinners. Now, let me ask you something. Are you a sinner? 
You say, well, I've never killed anybody, and I've never committed adultery, and I've never stolen anything. Yeah, but you're looking to the wrong thing to determine whether or not you're a sinner. Let me ask you something. You're going to die one day? Well, the Bible says that death has passed upon all men because all men are sinners. If you're going to die, then that's proof that you're a sinner. I don't have to scrutinize your life. I don't have to go back into the closet and dig out things and say, well, look at what you did here and look at what you did there. The Bible says one chapter later in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. You know why men die? It's because of sin. So I ask you again, are you a sinner? Well, if you're reasonable, I think you can admit that just by looking at that one thing that I've just pointed out to you, if you're reasonable, you can admit, sure, by that standard, you're a sinner. And listen, I, I, I go through that because it's in the Scripture, but I, I, I dare say that some of you listening to me, some of you folks that are under the sound of my voice right now, you know good and well, I don't have to go through the Scripture and pull out verses that show that because you're going to die, that's proof alone that you're a sinner. You know from looking at your past life, from things that you've hidden in the dirt, so to speak, you've swept under the rug that you don't want anybody to find out about, things that very well if somebody found out about you'd go to prison for, you know good and well that you're a sinner. You know what the penalty for that is? It's death. It's death. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that that uh, men are at the end times are cast into the lake of fire. And he says, this is the second death. So it's not just death of the physical body, but there's a death that's coming later. And it's eternal torment and hell fire. You say, well, why, why would God do such a thing like that? Because as much as the Lord loves you, as much as God loved you in sending his own son to die for your sins, God's holy. God is, God is pure. The Bible says, I believe it's in the book of Habakkuk, that God is of purer eyes than to look upon iniquity. He's not going to behold wickedness. He's not going to behold transgression. He's pure eyes. But at the same time, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, I believe it is, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Listen, you can sit in your seat this morning or you can stand where you're standing, whatever might be the case this morning, and you can provide every alibi that there is. But whether or not you believe that you're a sinner, God knows that you're a sinner. And I'm telling you, God, some of you right now, under the sound of my voice, God's dealing with your heart right now. You know that you're a sinner. Well, listen, think about this. The wages of sin is death. Now, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, I, I just read it to you a minute ago. I'm going to, I'm going to go back there. 1 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Now, listen. Christ, the Bible says, was without sin. He was perfect, holy, harmless. That's Jesus Christ. And you know, 
Jesus Christ lived as a man. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 that he took upon him the form of, of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's what Jesus Christ did. Well, when he died, he didn't die as a sinner because he had no sins to pay for. He was perfect according to the testimony of Scripture. Well, the Bible says that the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Well, if Jesus Christ died and he wasn't a sinner, why would he die? The only reasonable conclusion that you can come to is that he was dying for sins that were not his own. And that's exactly what the Bible tells you right here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. The Bible says, I believe it's in 2 Corinthians, it says, for he, talking about God, hath made him, they're talking about Jesus Christ, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it's written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. My friend, when you came into this world, according to Psalm chapter 51, David, writing that psalm, said, In sin did my mother conceive me. The moment you came out of the womb, you were born a transgressor. You were born a sinner. The moment that you were born, you were headed for a hole in the ground. You're headed... Some of you are very close. Some of you might have several years between you and, and that grave, but you're headed towards death. And the reason that you're headed towards death is because you're a sinner. And Jesus Christ, you're under the curse of the law. Of the law. Jesus Christ bore that curse for you in his body on the tree. He took your sins. He took your transgressions. And he took them in his own body on the tree. And he died the death that you deserve to die. He died in your place. He died a substitute. He had no transgressions to die for. He had no iniquities to pay for. All of those things that he was paying for at Calvary belonged to you. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, it says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. The Bible says in verse 4 of that same passage in Isaiah 53, it says, Surely, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. The Bible says in the next verse, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him. God laid on Jesus Christ the iniquity of us all. You know why Christ died? It's not because he was a bad man. It was not because he was a sinner. It's because he was paying for sins that did not belong to him. They were yours. Now listen, I, I go through that because the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For therein, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, for therein 
is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Now, you know what you see in the death of Jesus Christ at Calvary? You see the justice and the holiness of God executed against sinful men, against sinners. God at Calvary poured out his holy wrath, his holy indignation, against the transgressions of the entire world in the body of one man, Jesus Christ. There's the righteousness of God. But the righteousness of God does not stop there. God made man in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, and in Genesis chapter 3, that fellowship that God made man to have God made man to have fellowship with him, to have communion, to, have, to receive worship of that man. That fellowship was broken. That fellowship was, was severed by an act of transgression. You know what God did? God undertook the restoration of that man to himself. Wouldn't you say that's righteousness? Listen, you, you may undertake a project, would you not? You undertake a project... And you get frustrated with that project. I don't know if you've ever done this. I've done it before. But I've gotten frustrated with a project and picked up the whole thing and just thrown it right out the door or thrown it six feet away or thrown it 20 feet just out of anger. Ah, just frustrated. Can't get this thing to conform the way that I want it to conform. You know, that's not what God did. God, when he made man and man came in and messed the whole thing up by an act, of his own will, by an act of his own transgression, by an act of his own rebellion, God said, I will undertake myself through my son, Jesus Christ. I will undertake the restoration of man to myself. The Bible says as much in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that, that, that means that is, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You know what God was doing through Jesus Christ at Calvary? He was reconciling the world unto himself. Let me ask you something this morning. Have you accepted that reconciliation? Let me ask you something. Do you know that you're a sinner? You're a sinner. God knows. And I believe if you'd be honest, you know that you're a sinner. Let me ask you something else. Do you know that Jesus Christ is the all-sufficient Savior? He's the only way that you can be saved this morning. And listen, if you know those two things, there's only one thing left for you to do. There's only one thing left for you to do. You have to accept that all-sufficient Savior. Bow your head right now, wherever you're at, and call out to God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know that Jesus Christ died for my sins, and I believe that what he did is enough to pay for my sins. Quit trusting your works. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, As many as received him, Jesus Christ, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. Back again to Romans chapter 1, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. 
Do you believe this morning? Have you trusted him this morning? If not, will you trust him today? Thank you for joining us. Join us next week. God bless. This broadcast was brought to you by People's Baptist Church of Folkestone, Georgia. This broadcast and information for the church may be found on our website, www.pbcfolkestone.com.